everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Teacher Talk Tuesday. I'm your host for today's podcast, Dr. Johnny Cruz Craig, and I am also the National Project Director for the DTEC TAG program. This podcast serves to encourage teachers to express their educational experiences, research, and advocacy work. As we use this platform to inform, inspire, and develop communities of support, we start to look forward to the conversations that allow this exchange of ideas to happen. We're excited to announce that we are on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. On this episode, we are sitting down with Ashley Kearney, community organizer, advocate, and educator. Ashley is a mathematics teacher who focuses on cultivating a culture of competency, curiosity, and collaboration whereby all math teachers feel supported in providing urgent, high quality, and personable instruction that ensures every mathematician will experience a cohesive and joyful math journey and are equipped for societal change. Ashley, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Dr. Craig, and thank you so much for having me on today. Yes, yeah, so we're going to get into a conversation because, you know, perspective is everything. So we're really excited to hear your perspective today for the listeners. And just keep in mind that we have listeners that are teachers, um, parents, other community stakeholders, students. So we're speaking to a variety of stakeholders in education. Let's dive into okay. your role and how it helps you advocate for the students and other teachers. As a mathematics leader, how do you leverage your knowledge to ensure those that are educating and those that are being educated are competent in math strategies and solving processes. Okay, uh, I'm glad you said uh, math leader, uh, but uh, it's important for me to note that uh, identity or my identity as black, you know, a woman, or a generation college student, public servant, organizer, product of traditional public schooling, etc. You know, all play a role in how I show up as a a mathematics leader or mathematics teacher. And it's important for me um, to take some time, uh, for sure a work in progress for me to sort of dive through the different pieces of my identity and you know their interconnections to determine how they play a role in my work. So overall, you know, as you may know, with most people in education, uh, people wanna see you do it. So that could be, you know, let me see you do this thing very well, or let me see you model the vulnerability or risk taking you're asking of me. So each day, I leverage my knowledge of the content, but also the role that math plays in dismantling barriers to success for black students um, to get to the why of these mattering in the first place. So it can't be to get the answer to the problem. It can't be, um, it can't be that because, you know, then what, you know, you check the mark, you, you want to get an app or something like that. Uh, the strategies and the solving processes are not uh, meant to stand alone. So some things, you know, came naturally. Other things were a result of experience on the job that led to my personal style of teaching. Um, former supervisor of mine was like, girl, you know, you're doing it. And I said, you know, tell me why you're doing this thing and that thing. And I had to learn the terminology and how to reflect on my own practice to name the thing uh, or be it, identify the strategy and then leverage, you know, my knowledge to make them real. So people want to know you're not making it up. Um, so there are best practices, and, and they do get results, but results being relative in some cases. Uh, nonetheless, strategies and processes are a means to a goal. 
And if I can model the different approaches, coach you, help you to experience and make connections and constantly affirm and celebrate your progress and their use, then I know that competence will come through the wheel to achieve the ultimate goals. And more times than not, uh, and being transparent about my process and really helping people to see um, that they're really ultimately already doing it. You know, they already have the skills. Uh, now we just mix the art in their own little swag and embody themselves um, as the experts they are without me. Listen, that's a whole program you just gave us, honey. <laughs> I mean, a whole structure. I don't know if you realize all that you said. I'm, and this is amazing because you truly just gave step by step of how you go through a cyclic journey of like, I call it, and when I coach people, I call it layering and leveling. That's exactly what you just explained, but from the mathematical lens of saying that, listen, math strategies and solving processes don't stand alone. They are a means, like you said, to a goal. However, you have to be integrated and have everything working together, like interconnectivity, interdependence. So for me, that goes back to science. It goes back yeah. to a way of thinking, right? So like my favorite word is metacognition. That's my favorite word. And you just broke down the whole metacognition process and how you actually use that. And you brought out some really great points because you said you don't just tell them, you model it. You coach them through. You help them to identify. And one thing you said that I think this is a coin thing, name that thing. <laughs> name that thing. And the funny part about that is think about a professional development, right? where you're naming that thing and it takes them through an authentic reflection process to help them identify that, that it factor, to name that thing so that they can become better at crafting it as a best practice that they can share across the land. I mean, that's just so Absolutely, good. Dr. Craig. This is really good. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I, think, I think that people should go back and listen to that portion alone again and write down what Ashley shared. Those are some great pointers. Those are best practices. And that's something that you can take into any setting and help people to grow. So Ashley, we're going to move on. And um, according to catalyst.org, there are only 2.9% of black women earning degrees in STEM. And the, the number is about the same for black women working in the profession. You have experience with working with young men of color to increase their impact in the field as well. What can educators do to make this number rise and encourage students who look like us to broaden their perspective on STEM careers? That is a, a very uh, loaded question. Um, I'd have to start by saying, you know, my foundational education experience started in Washington, D.C., you know, and identity was a huge component of my daily experience from uh, the representation of my teachers to the routine of saying the Negro National Anthem daily, you know, and getting recommended for a uh, tag or talent and gifted was a no brainer, you know. Um, in fact, you know, I was in the program with my older sister. However, I experienced later grades, you know, in the South, in Georgia. Um, and this was a rural part of Georgia, so I was in a rural school. And my experiences were, were night and day. You know, I had uh, my first white educator and I remember the day I walked into her room, you know, quite vividly. And overall, the low expectations were across the board, excruciatingly evident, you know. Um, by the way, uh, I should mention that my sister was much smarter than I was. 
uh, and she had a mouth on her because, I, you know, educators in D.C., they made us speak up, you know. And in many cases, uh, I learned from her mistakes because they saw, you know, speaking up, um, and maybe not all educators themselves, but this particular place, um, as disrespectful. And, and she was often, you know, reprimanded. So while in D.C., my sister was seen as a leader, you know, and played Shirley Chisholm in a play, you know, you know I, I probably don't even say any more than that. Uh, but now uh, I was being tracked with all students of color in a class that was seemingly for low-performing students. Uh, the teacher was extremely condescending um, and intentionally did things, you know, to sort of make us feel inferior. And in a weird way, I really think that uh, this one teacher felt like he was motivating us, you know. Uh, anyway, one day I just challenged something he said. It had to be mid-year. Um, and it took me doing that for him to truly look at my work and speak to me and recommend me for an honors course. Uh, my experience in uh, that honors course, Dr. Craig will have to be for another time, but uh, mentioning the class is important because I was now one of two black students in the class, you know, both of us female. Uh, this drastically changed my educational experience. At that point, I had to uh, switch cohorts. I passed the math exam early, was now on track for AP Calculus. Uh, the other black girl uh, and I were, again, the only two students in the calculus course. And uh, by the spring, the class had gone from the 20-something students to four students. You know, there were now three white male students and myself. And during the time when I needed it the most, you know, the educators weren't understanding my family. They weren't understanding my journey, my needs. Uh, or going out of their way to convince me to pursue a career in STEM. They didn't see my perseverance. Uh, the guidance counselor was even surprised, you know, by me getting accepted to some places uh, by senior year. You know, his expression was everything. He didn't really actually have to say the words. Uh, anyway, to answer your question, I, I graduated with um, dual enrollment, college in uh, uh, tech prep seals. While my sister, on the other hand, was convinced to go to the military. Uh, she had a child in her teens and was discharged I went on to go to Florida, fulfilling my, uh, my potential, half of it anyway. And now I'm an alum of John Hopkins Graduate School of Education, uh, which at the time was the number one school in the country, and a presidential awardee, one of three black awardees, all female, out of 100 plus something nationwide recipients, right? And my sister is a mom trying to juggle working as a medical assistant while pursuing nursing. Um, and get this, you know, she's also at Hopkins. <laughs> uh, so. My sister is off the chain, and, I, and, I, and I'm saying that because, you know, she could have been a doctor already. In hindsight, um, a huge atrophy phase kind of took place for both of us, and I just was lucky enough to, to get past it. Uh, so my answer to you is that educators must leave the deficit thinking and racist practices behind, um, truly seeing work to understand students as individuals. Expect the best, give their best, provide all opportunities to pathways, you know, expose students to rigor and careers that you know, they have a choice and confidence. So uh, imposter syndrome becomes very real. And I think that educators have to intentionally make the success of black students, girls and boys alike, uh, in their class of a personal role. Wow. Your story is so amazing. I love how you communicated the story to lead up to the answer, like your bottom line, right? You basically built the case as to why educators must shift and do exactly what you said because the story of you and your sister is amazing and it, it reminds me of a little of my story because I'm from a rural town in North Carolina where I you know black was being black was truly a, a my minority in, in the school system I believe when I was in there there was one student that was in the gifted program that was black and I had my first grade teacher 
advocated for me mm. and made them test me. They did not want to test me. They mm -hmm. she made them test me. And that, I believe, saved me because I was much like your sister. I was very boisterous, even as a first grader. I had a lot of mouth because I had a lot of intelligence, right? So, you know, I wasn't being challenged. So I just, I'm going to challenge whoever's around me. And, and I love how you really delineated the stories of you and your sister as to what happened in that transition and even how the, the stark comparison you gave. And I think this stood out to me most. You talked about how speaking up was looked at as being a leader in the, in the DC area for your sister. But when y'all went down South, it was looked at as being disrespectful. I think that is such a critical point because that goes to show how perspective and experiences and geographic and exposures come into the play of the educators who's now sitting in front of students, right? And they're That's virtual right. and it's no matter where they are, they bring different lens. So you broke it down with your last statement and I just want you to say it one more time. Tell them what they need to do. You tell them one more time. Educators have to intentionally make the success of black students in their class a personal goal. It has to be a priority. Yes, 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 yes. This is good. This is good. So Ashley, I want to sort of move in to talk about a little bit of more of your accolades and who you are in your journey. You have a very unique and intriguing journey. I hope you started to write your story. We'll talk about that later. I'm a book pusher too. So I hope that you have this story going because this is good. So in DC public schools, it describes a standing Ovation Teacher of the Year Award winner as follows. Through their passion for teaching, they foster a love of learning for their students and positively affect the entire school community. For the listeners, Ashley was the 2020 award winner. At DTEC Tag, we call that heart work. That is heart work. Passion. Can you help our listeners understand the importance of passion in this profession? and how that affects your students and your school community. Uh, yes, ma'am. So, uh, I, I mean, I agree with you, uh, and Tech Tech, you know, it's, it's definitely hard work and teaching is not something that, you know, you can just do. Um, I, I firmly believe it's a political act. Uh, I feel um, uh, humble to be in the position, but also indebted to uh, the betterment of my people, you know, my first year of teaching in the district, you know, first of all, I couldn't wait to get back home, but <laughs> you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to be the best teacher my students had ever had. Um, and I had no idea about this award back then. Uh, I just knew that my duty was to leave my excuses at the door, walk into the school each day and give 100 plus percent so that my students can have what they needed to move on to whatever that next level was. Uh, and when you were in my class as a student, you know, you, you were going to get that work. That, that was the first thing, you know. Uh, but now I also have to mention that I was hired not knowing that the school at the time was in its last year. So it was going to close at the end of the year. And half the building uh, was not being used. I hustled, you know, to old abandoned classrooms, to dust off books to use, et cetera. And if the school was closing, you know, you, you couldn't tell it necessarily by my energy. Uh, building or no building, I understand that learning to be, you know, a heck of a weapon. Uh, so a uh, passion to ensure that my students are equipped for life, you know, not just college, but for life uh, is why I do the work. So I think that affects my students and the school community because, you know, everything I do is for them. Uh, and, I, and I'll kind of end with this part, uh, at least like when I transitioned to the high school level, because at the time I was a middle school teacher my first year, 
um, and at this point I was still teaching co-ed, and one of the brightest students told me um, that she didn't think that she would graduate prepared. And, you know, I'm like, you know, what do you mean? What am I not doing? At this time, I'm trying to be super reflective, you know, I'm literally at every PD, I'm researching, I'm trying new things, I'm trying to grow my practice with their feedback included, you know, it was very hard. Um, and after her response or, or lack thereof, I had more questions. I started to question what was happening in the school and, you know, what she needed me to do to help her uh, or to help her do. And I had great relationships. So, so when I say question, I don't necessarily mean, you know, negatively. Um, it was then that I realized we were not equipped to support these students. Mm. I realized my classroom wasn't enough. And what we were doing at the school, even though everyone was trying you know, their hardest, it wasn't enough. And I got an email one day about some meeting, about education issues. And I showed up that evening, you know, for the meeting. And I let the stakeholders know my issue uh, or my problem, you know. And I guess I was pretty passionate because one of the leaders, unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, followed up with me, directly followed the meeting. You know, she just came and started having a conversation with me. I think we were both at the meeting, you know, for similar reasons. Uh, and we sat and talked. And she invited me back for a one-on-one, -on -one, and I said no. When she told me what she does, I said, you know what you can do? Y'all can come and explain these things to my students. So we had what I recognize now as a house meeting, you know, in my classroom. And that impacts my students in my school because I involve them. I ensure that I act as a vessel. And wherever I am, quite selflessly, you know, they are there too. And their voices will be at the table. So my passion is seen through, you know, my entire identity and presence. You know, and we were in this together before COVID-19. Uh, so that's how it impacts us. You said, whew, that was so powerful. You said so much. Whew. Okay, so you said first the vessel piece. That's it. You're being used as a vessel and you're just really surrendering to that what we know is the spirit within that vessel to fulfill your ordained purpose. So yes, ma'am, all of that. You just said your entire presence, entire identity encompasses all of them. Like the fact that your mindset, and that's a natural to you, is phenomenal. Um, and it needs to be shared far and wide. I love how you said that piece about your entire identity and how if you show up, their voices show up because they're a part of you. Oh my goodness. That is so powerful. And I think that's such a model. And I don't think that, you know, everyone doesn't see it from that lens and because you have that passion and because of your experiences and you understanding the power of an educator you have you've been shaped on your journey to have all of this wisdom because that's what it is in this mm -hmm. moment and it needs to be shared so i don't know how you share it but it definitely needs to be shared and i'm so glad that you're here today so that it is going out and, it, and more can hear your story and your passion because it's hard work and you you brought in so many things when you talked about when you went and spoke up at the meeting and then you were asked to have a, you know, that next conversation. And then you, you didn't just say, yeah, I'll have a one-on-one -on -one with you, just thinking in a selfless manner as to where that maybe could position you. You said, hey, no, how about y'all come on in and talk to my children? Let them experience this. Something they would have never gotten. And we all know that exposure is critical in education. Yes. We can teach our heads off with math, science, or whatever. But until they see and experience new things, they don't understand the 
possibility and the potential of a true life because you said your goal was that they could be equipped for life. And I love that as well. You're not just trying to teach them in that moment, in those 180 days. That's not your goal. Your goal is their life. And I'll, I'll start with this and move on because when you started, you started off with an affirmation. Um, when you were telling a part of, you know, how you got to this piece and said that no matter about the school you were going in, leaving all excuses behind. And I, I believe I hear that you are an affirmer, like you affirm yourself. And I can only guess and make a, 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 a good guess <laughs> to affirm your students only because yes, of the way that you speak. So I'm glad that you include those affirmations. I think that's really, really important too. So now as a part of our Detect Tag pilot program, we established coalitions of educators who increase their efficacy by understanding and educating other stakeholders on educational policy. You have experience doing the same kind of work with the Washington Teachers Union. As an educator, how has your work with the union inspired educators to see themselves as change makers of policy and influence? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, so uh, you, you actually make me sound better uh, than I am, so it's, it's nice. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, I was a community organizer, you know, before being in um, uh, the Washington Teachers Union Teacher Leader Program, and uh, it was part of the reason why I joined it to figure out how I can step up my practice uh, and, and engage more inside my, my field. And I was recognized as the 2020 Standing Ovation Teacher of the Year for the work I had done in the 2018-2019 school year. Uh, but it actually helped that I was recognized while in the program in 2020 because uh, my scope of influence sort of spread in there are educators, you know, who'd had a negative opinion about the union. And I was one of those teachers at one point, you know, who didn't think negatively of the union itself, but I seldomly engaged uh, because of the observations and experience I'd had with some educators who, you know, were pro-union and uh, the toxicity that energy brought uh, to the schoolhouse. So it helped, it, it made me misunderstand the purpose of the union um, as a young educator myself. And um, I, I didn't want to be like them, you know, uh, for lack of better words. And, and we have to talk about that another time too, uh, about how my mindset is now shifted. But anyway, the relationships with educators in the program and the union leadership uh, completely shifted my mindset. And well, uh, when people see maybe an accomplished educator, you know, with great relationship with school leaders, the district, and, and, and it's also close with the union, it raises questions and, and curiosity. So the program helped me to understand the union in a necessary light. Uh, I think it's mutually benefiting because uh, it helps uh, that President Davis, the president of my union, uh, is a force to be reckoned with and she's doing great work. Uh, my work with the union led me to engaging educators to participate with a Black coalition against COVID uh, to impact change in their art during the pandemic to rally teacher-led task forces across schools in various wards uh, in support of providing their school community specific context um, as input for the mayor during her advisory uh, committee efforts uh, with those initial meetings. And um, it could from speaking on national platforms about education issues uh, that led to people saying like, wow, you know, teacher, that teacher's role or a teacher's role in general is important. And I get to answer the questions, you know, like these, uh, uh, which I'll get better at. Um, and you can probably tell that my relationship with the union to this degree, um, and happily so, is, is fairly new, but uh, teachers just want to see like, oh, I am doing great things. And a lot of black educators sometimes uh, don't look for, uh, um, recognition, you know what I mean? Uh, but their role is powerful in policy and influence comes from seeing somebody like you doing it. 
Yeah. Seeing somebody like you doing it, I love that. And yeah, Miss Davis is a force to be reckoned with. And I have thought, as you were talking, because I'm I'm from the South originally, you know, I did, I was in DC for a while, but now I'm back down here in Atlanta. But I was educated in North Carolina and taught here in Atlanta. And there's really not a union that moves the way unions move up north, right? So teachers find themselves in places where they don't even feel like they have anyone to go to because you have like your you know, your larger organizations, but it's not like that real local union. So um, what would you, what kind of advice or insight would you give to the teacher that's down South that don't have that kind of support to even learn about to see how it can make them um, more bold and competent in being that change maker and policy and influencer? Because most often as that person, you, you have to open your mouth and talk. Like you're going to say some things that will ruffle some feathers. You have to be that squeaky wheel. But when you don't have a union where you feel like you have some type of protection, some people don't open their mouth. And that's why it has gotten to seriously a lot of things of where we are now. Yeah. The virtual space has opened up so many opportunities for people to be in meetings all across the country. Or like, you know, we can be, uh, I, I mean, DC, you can be in Georgia, you can still have this conversation. So uh, being a part of professional learning communities and talking to educators about their experiences one way, going to education council meetings uh, in the area, uh, listening to and reading reports from uh, your school boards, because even our school board works differently up here in DC. So being informed is one of the biggest things and then figuring out how you can incorporate that into your practice. And once you embody it, you, it, you will speak up there will be no other way. <laughs> That's good. Be informed. Because once you know, if you're in it for the right reasons, you cannot yeah. keep yourself from speaking. You know better, you do better. Trust it. <laughs> yes, that's real good. That's real good. Thank you for that insight for teachers who may not have that local union support. That was really good. Now, what have you seen DTEC tag, tag doing that is aligned with your efforts to promote equity in education? Yeah, uh, so, you know, I've been trying to get involved with Deep Tech Tech for a long time. I, uh, my, and now I'm finally in a space where I can be in all these different places at one time. Uh, but anything from like candidate forums, I love hosting candidate forums. So when I see, I saw one pop up on uh, Facebook. Um, you know, I mentioned education as a political act. So from those to, to, to canvassing, to, to naming issues that are important and creating pathways for people to get involved. Grassroots work, you know, with good intention, uh, directly aligned to my efforts to promote equity in education. Um, and equity education has to include real stories. So thank you, Dr. Craig. Yes, absolutely. Now, which which um, which platform did you connect with the DTEC tag on? I'm just curious to know. Uh, I did the the candidate forum um, that was out actually in Virginia, like a whole, a whole DMV area. Uh, also, DTEC tag the HE Live. I've been able to listen to some of those conversations on um, uh, on Twitter Live. Uh, okay. getting that information out. So it's, it's just pretty, pretty dope to, to experience it on all fronts. That's awesome. That's good to know how you were connected. Now, you know, we have a DMV team. So they were actually on live. He live last night. If you want to go back and catch that. And they talked about everything that they have coming up. They have a, a webinars coming up like every other month or something like that. So reach out. They told you how to connect with them. If you want to get with them in this digital spaces, they build out digital programming connect with that team. They would love to connect with you. Absolutely. I'm all in. Oh, that's the name of their first webinar. <laughs> it's called All In. That is really funny. All right. So since we kicked off this last year, um, this podcast has really been doing amazing. And it's been a blessing to have 
the opportunity to have a conversation with so many amazing vessels, souls that have been called to educate and lead in this season. So we're really excited. We've talked about advocacy and action. We've talked about teacher efficacy and other educational endeavors um, such as literacy acquisition, special education, and mentorship. Um, that's just naming a few. So if you haven't caught some of our later or earlier episodes, go back and catch some of those, some really good conversations. Um, make sure that you connect with us on social media. We are on Facebook at DTEC Tag, uh, at DTEC Tag, at, sorry, at DTEC Change Agent on Twitter and at DTEC underscore change underscore agent on Instagram. Now, Ashley, please share with our listeners how they can connect with you and get uh, your, your resources. Absolutely. Uh, first, you can come visit my classroom. We're back in brick and mortar for sure. <laughs> and Robert Brown loves here. You guys talk to my students and get to know me a little bit better and likewise, uh, vice versa. On Twitter, you can catch me at, um, at Ashley C. Kearney. Uh, be happy. Just DM me. Reach out to me. Happy to connect. And I recently just started an, an Instagram page. I know it's terrible, uh, but a class Instagram page called Kermatics uh, so that I can start documenting student experiences and, and so that uh, I can engage with STEM professionals so they can reach out to my kids uh, virtually. So opening up the uh, experience and exposure avenues that way. So please reach out. And what was that IG handle again? Kern Maddox, K-E-A-R-N Maddox, M-A-T-I-C-S. All right. So that's IG Kern Maddox. And I, and I tell you, when you said that, it just opened up a whole nother thing for me. I know we're closing, but I just got to say this. Because you said you opened it up so that, you know, like a class page so that STEM educators could interact with your children. They can come in virtually or whatever. That is amazing. And I think more educators need to hear that because that's another method to further amplify these virtual efforts in education and providing a different type of exposure. Because if our kids experience that, they're going to get to hear more people than they would have ever encountered in life. So put that you for sharing it. I hope somebody picks that up and can actually connect with you and see how you're moving and modeling and coaching. That's yeah, I just started it. So let's please, you know, and they, they can encourage me and, I, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be great. Yes, that's awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Ashley, for this amazing conversation and sharing your story, being transparent and being authentic in sharing. That's important. Um, I know that this will really bless many that listen to it. Um, and I hope that they connect with you. So thanks listeners for tuning in for this episode of Teacher Talk Tuesday, and we will see you for the next episode.